Veterans are who we are, what we talk about, who we fight for. This podcast sheds light on real issues facing our veterans. It informs the uninformed. It celebrates their triumphs and provides hope to those warriors fighting a silent battle. This is Upholding Valor. Welcome, everyone. I'm Jill Atwood, your host for Upholding Valor, and joining me today, part of the VA family, in my humble opinion, we have Josh Hansen and his beautiful wife, Melissa. So, Josh, I don't even know where to start with you because I just feel like um, we've known each other for a good decade now, and you've done so much for veterans. You've done uh, so much to help us promote VA benefits and you've just come so far in your in your personal journey. It almost it almost brings me to tears. I'm not going to cry. We might cry somewhere in here, but but not right now. Josh is an OIF veteran. Uh, he was a 12 Bravo, um, which in fancy terms is a combat engineer. He served in Iraq. How many tours? I did two tours in Iraq. Two tours in Iraq. Um, Josh finally. Um, had to stop what he was doing. He, you were, you were basically an IED hunter, correct? And, um, you went ahead and, uh, brushed the roads for, for roadside bombs. So your, your team, the, the rest of your folks could be safe. Can you talk to me a little bit about your job and, and, and your experience and what happened there? And then at what point it was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. As a combat engineer, I, my position was the lead vehicle to go ahead of everyone, find the bombs on the roads, clear those. So we could, um, I actually was in the Army, but I served with the Marines in Fallujah, clearing the roads for them. And basically it's, you know, you, you don't want to miss any bombs because right. you don't want anyone in that convoy behind you in patrol getting killed. Mm-hmm. So it's extremely stressful, and anyone that's served in Iraq knows that anything could have been a bomb over there. So it was a very difficult job but every bomb we pulled off of the roads was three lives saved from death and injury and so wow. it was very rewarding to to be up front and doing that mm-hmm. and of course it was a cat and mouse game you know you'd find how they were blowing you up then you would adjust fire start locating them that change so they could get you again and and so it was learn on the go type of uh, job um, which had a lot of stress and you know, I learned what courage was because anytime you'd go out on a mission, you know, I'd have to step over fear, get into courage, jump in that vehicle. How do you go do that? Home. How do you do that? Uh, I don't know. I, war kind of takes a toll on the body and the mind, and you almost get to the point to like, you know, this is what I do. This is probably where I'm going to die, and you just kinda get in that numb. vehicle and go. You almost get into that um, comfortably numb, numb. Is what I used to say. You numb know? go mode and. So sometimes you were successful in finding the bombs and sometimes not, correct? Right. So unfortunately, you know, when they would change the way they would do things, you'd get hit by the bombs. Um, I've been hit directly eight different times. And, you know, some people will say, well, why would you continually be put in that position if you've been hit? And, you know, you have to think like a soldier. You know, if I put somebody else in that truck because I didn't want to do it, and they get killed, and I live with that guilt. That, and so to me, it was kind of like a personal thing of, you know, I need to be up front. I need to do this. I've been doing it majority of the time, so I know what I'm looking for. So it was very difficult when I wasn't in that lead truck, sure, uh, finding stuff. And 
Um, How long yeah. did you do this? How many tours? Well, I did two tours in Iraq. I did 0405, mm-hmm. then 0607. And, but in 0607, I uh, was there about six, seven months, and I got uh, injured in, uh, on a route clearance. It was my eighth and final hit, brain shut down, uh, neck and back injuries, and I was medevaced out of Iraq at that point. So Yeah, Jill, Jill you, you asked an interesting question. Mm-hmm. You asked him, when did you finally decide you were done? Josh never decided he was done. He continually got back in those vehicles and back out on the roads, and it was being knocked unconscious and pretty much forced out of Iraq that finally stopped his tour of duty. Well, yeah, so eight times, and I knew it was multiple times. I couldn't remember how many times. Um, And I know we have talked in the past, and I know you kind of knew that maybe you weren't 100% and, and and maybe you couldn't and shouldn't, but you didn't want to stop because you had to take care of your soldiers and 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 clear that road is that accurate right and then finally someone stepped in and said you're thank you we love you you've (laughs) you've done more than enough you're hurt we need to take care of you right talk to me about that uh you know it's you know at times uh my squad leader hit say hey we need to pull you out for a bit and um and so i'd Getting the different trucks, um, which was very difficult. Uh, they'd end up getting hit by something, get injured, and then he'd come back to me and say, "Well, they got injured. You know, we need someone to lead. Who do you think?" And I'd, hey, pick me. You know, I'm ready to go back in and and get this done. And uh, you know, so it was it was difficult. You know, and then after getting medevaced out and then coming home, uh, it was a long recovery. Three months in the hospital down in Texas. Uh, with the brain injury and neck and back injuries. And then after those three months, I got transferred up here to Utah so I could be at home with the family. And, uh, you know, luckily I had the VA system here that took really good care of me to get mm-hmm. me back on my feet. And, and you know, I kind of fought the system at first. Sure. You know, I think a lot of veterans have that issue of, you know, what I need to do and or I don't need this. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad I stuck with it. You know, I think I took like two months off of the VA and then realized, you know, with the wife helping me saying, you know, you need to get back in there and get the professional help and keep on this pushing forward with all these appointments. Because, you know, it was like three, four times a week I think I was coming to the VA. And, yeah. Um, I want to go back quickly. Um, before we, we launch into your recovery, because I think it's so important for people to understand what you did and what you went through and what it felt like. Because I still feel like, uh, although we're better, people just take it for granted and they don't really understand or, or realize the courage and, and the sacrifice. I know I'm constantly talking to my children, and I hope everyone is talking to their children. But do you remember some of those hits do you re, do you can you and if you don't want to talk about it and it's too painful that's oh, fine yeah. too but do you remember that last on anything about it what it what it felt like what you thought um just what was around you sure yeah i mean one of my 
you know, it, it's kind of interesting because when you would get hit by the IED, um, honestly, you're seeing all the flames, smoke, dust, everything flying through the air. You start feeling the vehicle going up before your brain really understands what's going on. It's literally everything just goes slow motion for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, everything in your vehicle, we had the uh, vehicles that were designed, if they got hit, you can survive the hits. Uh, so we you'd get really rattled, all the electronics in the vehicle would go out, so we had a system to where it would break a green chem light, throw it out our porthole to let everyone know, hey, everyone's safe enough, no one's majorly injured, take your time coming to get us out. Because a lot of times it has secondary IEDs that we needed to concern ourselves about as well. Mm-hmm. And then we had a red chem light that, hey, somebody's injured, get to us as soon as possible, and we'd throw that out of the vehicle. Um, on that final, my last hit, we were in an area uh, outside of Fallujah on Schoolhouse Road, and somebody had broke a bunch of concrete up on the road. And we're doing a mission at night. Um, as I come around the corner, I just see all this broken concrete, and I we radioed back. I was like, man, I can't see anything. This is Everybody just hang back because this is going to be a kill zone or something here. Mm-hmm. And as we were you know, creeping up slowly, looking at everything... Um, my squad lover, uh, my squad leader, uh, Sergeant Glover, was on my my passenger, my TC, and he said, "Hey, there's one under the bush over here." And so I hurried through it in reverse and just floored it to start backing up. They realized we had spotted, so they set it off on us. And luckily for us, it just damaged some windows, flattened the tires of the vehicle on the right side, and. Uh, not major damage so I mean I put the vehicle in drive drove forward I backed back up my radio said hey I can still drive this vehicle let's don't get on the ground here this is still a kill zone it's very gnarly with the way this is all set up uh, I felt we were going to get hit again and the last thing you want is people on the ground to have another explosion go off uh, you did not want to get out of the vehicles so we they called some huskies around us, and they have mine detectors on the bottom, and they scan the roads trying to detect the bombs buried in the road. And they scanned the whole area, and they said, hey, it's clear, you're good to go. I threw the vehicle in drive, drove about 20 meters, and got drilled directly underneath me and the TC by three stacked plastic Italian mines, wow. which basically threw the vehicle up in the air, almost up, up over backwards, and uh, that's when I got medevaced out and you know the husky drivers you know for them they they thought like a bomb blew up a house they had no idea it was actually us that just got hit because they felt the area was clear um so yeah it was a you know a difficult mission um with a lot of our missions you can't call in a medevac rarely because you're in a gnarly area and you don't want risk so we just they loaded me in a vehicle and um, I remember, uh, specialist Taylor, uh, kept hitting me to wake me up and trying to keep me awake, yeah. um, while we took the long mission back to Fallujah to, for the medevac, and it was, it was tough, and I remember being medevaced out and, uh, seeing tracers getting shot up at, towards the helicopters, <laughs> and I, I, remember thinking, wow, I'm going to get killed getting medevaced out of here. It was, it was crazy, you know, but it's what we do to protect our fellow countrymen. Yeah, and then it, and then you went to 
to Texas, how many IEDs do you think that you found and, and can you even quantify that into how many lives you think you saved? Uh, have you ever thought about that? Well, we have it. It's actually written in, in some paperwork of, about my tour and doing over like 120 combat missions wow. while I was there in that short time. Because, I mean, some missions would do finish a mission, then get called up and say the Marines are stranded in this area and you go get them out. We'd go back out that same day and spend two days up looking for bombs and getting people out. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, the, it's hard to say how many. I can't remember how many bombs yeah. we found. It's Hundreds. I don't remember yeah. either, but it's it's quantified in his Bronze Star narrative. Yeah. They, it talks about how many missions, how many IEDs he found. Yeah, because, I mean, people say, well, I got hit eight times. You weren't good at your job. And it's like, no, it's all the ones we found. No, and are then, you kidding me? And yeah. then the ones that hit my vehicle and everyone was safe. I was like, boys, we just saved. Yeah people's lives because if we got drilled by this and this thing would have hit one of the humvees there would be death and so to actually sacrifice yourself to be hit by an ied and get that removed from the road to me was as long as none of my men were got killed or injured you know to me it was still considered a success and so then the long road to recovery begins and and you're in texas melissa how how was he how was he different um, when when you were there with them and and, and watching him recover and 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 how did you how did you help how did you deal with it yourself? Um, you had to know that life was going to be much different now. Yeah. So when when Josh came home in two thousand seven, I didn't know anything about traumatic brain injury. I didn't know anything about post traumatic stress. Honestly, I didn't even realize how many of our service members were being injured over in Iraq. Um, when I went to visit Josh in Texas, it was a very eye-opening experience. I had no idea about all the amputees, the burn victims, just all of the injuries that were happening. Right. And so Josh came um, home to Utah in June of 2007, and Josh had always worked 12 hours a day, seven days a week. He was full of life, full of humor, always making people around him laugh. And the Josh that came home, he was empty. Um, there was no life in him. It was like he was a shell of the person he used to be. Uh, he with the brain injury, he couldn't process information. So when you talked to him, he would get very confused. And his replies, he would think he was replying to you, but it was kind of like gibberish that came out of his mouth. And so that was very frustrating for him. He was whole. He was in one piece. You couldn't look at him and know that anything was wrong. Right. So he would go out in public, he'd run into people he'd known for years, and he wouldn't recognize them. They would try to talk to him, and he wouldn't understand what they were saying, and that was very frustrating for him, and that led to isolation. He he didn't want to go out in public anymore. Well, and the combination of injury and you all of a sudden being home after this extraordinary 
experience in Iraq with your comrades saving your fellow soldiers and not able to do that anymore, that's a shock to the system as well. So I would imagine the combination of the two was was almost like a death sentence to you. Yeah, it was very, very frustrating. You know, you're in a safety zone here at home. My uh, men and everybody was still overseas. Uh, the recovery process, uh, like Melissa says, people would talk to me and I'd hear what they're saying. To me, I was processing it and right. speaking to them completely fine. But everybody would be always correcting me, which just get you angry, ticked off. Um, and, you know, going out, you know, people would come up and just start talking to me, and I'd be like, who the heck is this person? Right. Get away from me, because it would kind of freak me out. Come to find out, you know, the neighbor would contact Melissa and go, I saw Josh at the store, and, you know, it was very different. And, you know, it's hard for people to relate, because like you say, you're completely whole. You know, you don't put a bandage around your head saying, hey, yeah. Yeah, even a lot of our close friends that we'd been really close to for years, they didn't know how to act around us anymore. They they were very uncomfortable, and so they kind of started staying away from us. So what do you do? What do you do now? You can't work. You want to help them. Where do you go? What's, what's the next thing you do? Uh, for me, it was being consistent with my VA appointments and making sure I continually did the cognitive treatments. Um, I did a lot of uh, the brain test. Yeah. And it was really rewarding because every like six months to a year, I'd do these uh, very long three-hour brain tests. And it was really neat to see how I was actually starting to progress. And for me... Um, yeah, at home, I, I felt, you know, I can't just sit here and do nothing. I need to do something to help this process continue. And so I started scoring baseball games due to the fact that there's a lot of, you know, when the batter, you know, collect, keeping track of ball sure. strikes, what player threw the ball to who, who got out, the score. And so I have sheets and sheets still of all these baseball games that I would continually score to keep my brain busy. Um where I kind of felt is I wasn't doing a lot of physical activity. Mm -hmm. So I was sitting down with my legs kicked up a lot. I'd, you know, it was really interesting. I'd be scoring a game and be in the third inning on my paperwork, but then the next thing I know it was sixth inning. And I'd tell the wife, I'm like, did I fall asleep? And she goes, no, you've been talking to me, but I would have these laps. Of, wow, you would lose time. Yeah, and so, and still today I have issues with time a lot. Um I usually don't like to deal with a lot of phone call type stuff because I still have hard issues, you know, translating some things. Um, but I just continually working on on that type of stuff during that time. And but unfortunately, with me not doing a lot of physical activity and getting outside the house, yeah. keeping my legs kicked up all the time, I have a lot of, you know, I had a left brain injury, so my right side still to this day is really weak on my right side. Um, so you did the work. And I'm sure you were right behind him, pushing him to do that work. Because there is recovery from traumatic brain injury. You may not be 100%, but if you're willing to put in the time and, and do the work, you can have your life back. 
Yeah, I, I think one of Josh's big inspirations in wanting to do that work is he wanted to be an example for the kids. He was very concerned about the kids and them thinking dad doesn't have to work. He wanted them to know I still work. I still have to work. You work for everything in life. And um, even when he first came home, um, our our little boy Jesse was three months old when he came home. And I often feel like that first six months of Josh's recovery, he did well because of Jesse. Jesse gave Josh a reason to be in that rocking chair, rocking the baby. And it gave him a reason to stay down and recover because at first he did need to be down with his legs up. Right. Um, after that first six months or so, then then it was kind of time to move on from that. But that just Jesse and Josh, they just really got a bond right from the start because they were there for each other at that time. Yeah, I think that was a perfect time to have the adoption of our son because it was a big part of my recovery was having him and you know, because we both slept together a lot. Aww. You know, with a brain injury, you get a lot of sleep. And and so, yeah, working through that whole process was, was tough, but I knew I had to put it into the work, especially when I started wanting to get my physical health back. So quickly, um, because Upholding Valor is very much about promoting VA services and, and you know, promoting veteran stories of recovery symptoms of traumatic brain injury very very basic if you can if you can go through them a little bit for someone who's who's listening and and concerned or a family member who's concerned and 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 wants to help what's what's something that maybe you noticed right away with Josh and and Josh I'm sure they told you know you've probably heard the symptoms over and over so for me a lot of what I saw um there was money was a big thing. Josh would um, often think that I was withholding money from him. He he would spend money one day and then the next day think it had been like a month or two since I had given him allowance per wow. se. And that was really huge for us. It, I mean, it caused a lot of problems between us and he just didn't realize that it had been yesterday that he had spent money and so the time issues that you we know, talked about an, an adult shouldn't have to to be given a, an allowance so that was really hard for him um, something that we did during probably eight months in we we got a big whiteboard and everything that Josh needed to accomplish in a day, we would put on the whiteboard. And it was detailed. It was 8 o'clock a.m. eat breakfast because he wouldn't eat. If I wasn't there to make sure he ate, he would think he'd already eaten. So memory issues, obviously. Uh, yes, a lot of memory issues. Um, so everything was on the whiteboard. He had uh, a little... I can't remember what it was called, a little iPod, but it was before iPods yeah. were yeah, around a little. Yeah, it was like a smartphone, but before smartphones. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even so remember it, those it, days. And, <laughs> and the VA provided that, so that would, he'd set alarms for the different times that he needed to do different things. Um, we talked about processing information. He, I, I took him to most of his doctor appointments for that first probably two years because he 
couldn't understand what the doctors were telling him needed to be done. And so we would go home from an appointment and then I would kind of explain to him what needed to be done. And then one of the symptoms was he wouldn't remember that an hour later. So he would ask again, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? Right. Um, so that's a lot of it is repeating the same question over and over again. And even this far down the road, that's, that's an effect of the traumatic brain injury is he still will kind of ask the same questions. Well, I've known you for probably about a decade now. Um, I started working for the VA and um, just a little background. Uh, you know, it's my job to tell good stories, triumphant stories of veterans and promote VA services. And Josh was one of the first veterans that I met that truly impacted me. And you've changed so much in the last 10 years. When I first met you, there was sort of that, that glazed over look about you, grappling for words. I mean, you would have never been able to sit down and do an interview like this no, and tell no. your story. Not right. in a million years. And, and here we are 10 years later and you're here with your beautiful wife and your family and you're, and you're, and you're helping other veterans and you're truly saving lives, which I want to get into what you two are doing now. Um, and, um, you know, how many you're, you're, you're still saving lives. You went from Iraq to IED hunting and, and detecting the bombs to now, um, you know, getting people out on the slopes and, and the paddle boards and, and getting them out of their homes and that isolation through your nonprofit continue mission. So talk to me quickly about where you are now and, and how long continue mission has been. Um, it's, it's what good five or six years now, right? right? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. So talk Jill, to me about be, that. Before we jump into that, sure. um, you commented upholding valor. A lot of it is the VA services. Yeah. So before we move on, I do want to give a huge shout out to the poly trauma team. Uh, I they love ya. came into our lives probably about eight months after Josh came home in 2007, yeah. and they saved our lives. They saved our marriage. Um, they took Josh in up here and they got him all of the help they needed in all of the categories. Cognitive therapy, physical therapy, psychiatry. Um, our, our therapist up here didn't just work with Josh. She worked with me. I could call her any time of the day and I could ask her, is this traumatic brain injury? Is it post-traumatic stress or are we just being a jerk right now? Yeah. And, <laughs> and those are valid questions for a support member to ask. Yeah. And I was walked through that. I was calmed down. Um, and really, they just did a great job of not just with Josh, but both of us. And I will always be thankful for that. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I know you, you've been through a lot, and I know the recovery has been long, and, and you both have done the work. So I didn't know how much you wanted to get into it, but I appreciate uh, you uh, saying that. Uh, it I, was huge for yeah. us. Cause yeah. For me, traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress, the symptoms are almost identical in mm -hmm. a way. And as my brain injury would heal, the post-traumatic stress would actually get worse. And, you know, that's when things really got bad for me. And... My mental health was really tanking. Um, I was having suicidal thoughts, and 
was, you know, almost had to quit her job just to take care of me. I felt like I was such a burden with everyone around me that everyone would be better if I just didn't exist. And going through these steps, then one of my soldiers died by suicide, and that was a huge wake-up call to me going to his funeral and seeing his wife, kids, and family. And I said, you know what, this is not the answer. I need to figure things out. And we took care of each other overseas. We can do that here at home. Mm-hmm and take care of one another once we're back. And that's kind of how Continue Mission got started. You know, in the Army, we say Charlie Mike. Uh, Here it's Continue Mission in Life and Healing. And because of me living through all these steps, I can relate to the veterans in our program. And to me, getting outside and exercising was a huge part of my recovery to where I am today. And seeing it help other veterans... um, Nobody will just be like, oh, I'm just going to go paddle boarding by myself and buy right. the equipment. But when you have all the equipment for them and, you don't, you know, we don't charge our veterans for anything or their family members that we do. And we you go out as a group out on the water or out cycling or cross-country skiing, um, you're with a group that all understands you. And we just like to get out and have fun. And um, it's kind of a whole different world of recovery. Yeah. You know, so getting the professional help here at the VA is incredible. And then you add in what our program does at Continue Mission for veterans on the outside of the VA while they're going through these steps. Helps piece everything together to take take care of one another and make our healing process work. You two are exactly where you're supposed to be. Do you ever feel like that? Like this is like fate? Like this is <laughs> what you were meant for? This whole thing? This whole thing called life and your journey in the military? Looking back at all the different steps, definitely you can see what each experience has led us to. Um, Backing up a little bit, you you commented that you didn't know quite the detail we wanted to share. And years ago, I, I didn't share details. I told people I was fine. Um, during Josh's tour, while he was away, I'm fine. I don't need any help. I'm fine. And when he came home and we were struggling, I did the same thing. I'm fine. Josh is fine. We're great. And we don't need to do that. We have support systems out there. And, and that's why we love to share our story, because we need other people to know that they're not alone and it's okay to talk about it it's okay to say you know what i'm not okay i'm lost um it that's okay because you're not alone and through continue mission what kind of feedback are you getting from other families probably similar do you do you uh, an impact to one particular family does anything pop you know top of mind Sure, Melissa can tell you. We, we do a survey, and Melissa can tell you some of the results of that and, and stories in the family. Absolutely. So we do a yearly survey, and last year on our survey, we asked our veterans um, if they preferred going to events um, with their families or just by themselves, and over 70% of our veterans prefer attending events with their family members. And... 80, over 87% of our veterans have said that participation in continue mission events has had a positive impact on their mental health. That's amazing. That's amazing. Have you had the opportunity to have maybe one of those one-on-one impactful conversations with 
with someone who maybe was in the same dark place that you were in? Oh, definitely. We, we get emails, sometimes even from family members that, you know, thanks for getting our veteran out. Yeah. Now they're enjoying life again. Um, you know, we haven't seen a smile on their face since they've got home from the war, which was five years ago. No. Now we see them on your social media pages on with big, huge smiles and enjoying life again. And it it is. It's But the thing is, the veterans, they have to want to get healed. They have to want to get better. Um, we can put all these things out there, but it's up to the veteran to sign up with our program. Say they want to you know, RSVP for an event. And then yeah. the hard part, because I had that same issues when I was recovering, is you have to show up. Yeah. You have to put forth the effort. Recovery is not easy. Anyone that tells you it's easy has never been there. Um, so it's very difficult to step out of that comfort zone. But once they come out to the program, get around the other veterans, they realize why we call it the CM family, the continuation family, because everyone just absorbs each other in. Yeah. You know, there's, um, everybody's just there to have a great time and, and watch each other grow and recover. Yeah, we we had a winter R and R just a few weeks ago, and we had one of our fairly new veterans came with his wife, and at first it, he's very quiet, very kind of back of the room kind of a person, and we just throughout those three days we watched him just open up, and at the end of the retreat he was just right in there with everybody else, and we love to see that, and then. After the retreat, he actually did send us an email that he said we were welcome to share where he talked about how down and depressed he had been and how coming out to continue mission is just life-changing for him and that he can bring his kids. And um, he actually did bring his kids to, to our, our ninja night nice. a couple weeks ago, and they they were amazing. They had a great time, and and that's why we do what we do. Well, I've watched your progress on, on social media and, and rate you're everywhere. I, I see continue mission everywhere. And so right now, quickly, before we go, I want you to take the opportunity to brag about your better half over here and, and this big remarkable woman <laughs> award she just received for um, really your your life's work right now. Yeah, yeah. Melissa was recognized. Uh, I was Channel 4, got a hold of her hold of us and said she was picked for a remarkable woman of utah award you know there's uh hundreds to choose from and she yeah. made the top four and on march 6th they narrow it down uh but it's just incredible you know she is a remarkable woman i mean to go through we've been married uh 26 years now and so wow. for us you know i didn't join the military until 30 after 9 11 so um you know, it's been great. You know, all the work of my recovery, you know, our three adopted children, our grandkids now. I mean, it's just been amazing uh, journey that we've had. And it's great to see her recognized for it. Cause a lot of time, all the emphasis goes towards the veteran and sure. what, the, yeah. what they've been through. But for me, when I was overseas, I always felt it was had to be harder on my wife and, and my parents with me being in a combat zone. Because they had no idea if I was doing my laundry that day. You know, or right. out on the one of the worst routes in Iraq, trying yeah. to clear it full of bombs. Um, and I tried to keep her fears as low as I could. We used to do some Skyping to where she could see me, but then I always told her the camera broke after a while. <laughs> so, 
she couldn't see me because I mean yeah. I was deteriorating away. You know, war and combat takes a toll on the body, and yeah. you just get that comfortable numb. And you know, there's several missions where you, I felt I was going to die on that that section of road. Well, you, you know, have to check out a little to save yourself, I would think. Well, and you have to, you know, your sense of humor has to go different because of the fact if you take everything so serious, you're not going to be able to last long on missions, and and you'll just you'll lose it over there. So it's you kind of have to change how you are. You know, it was it was difficult, and for most to go through all that, and every time somebody'd come to the door and knock on it, you know, she didn't want to answer the door and fear that it was someone in a you know, class A uniform. Um, So it's tough on the family members. That's why we, in our program, we want the family members to come out with us and see that recovery progress and be a part of it with their their spouse. Congratulations, Melissa. Thank you. We appreciate it. Congratulations to both of you, really, on Continue Mission. I think it it truly is extraordinary. Uh, Quickly before we go, so how can someone get involved with continued mission and, and, and how can they help? I mean, I know you're a nonprofit, so you probably thrive on, um, you know, monetary and non-monetary donations, correct? Right. Yeah. Continue mission is a nonprofit serving veterans with mental, physical, and emotional injuries from their time in service. Uh, so they can fill out a packet and then they send in their service connection letter, uh, to let us know they are going into the VA and getting the help. Cause that's a big, Part of it is like a lot of the veteran suicides. Only thirty sure. percent have been registered with the VA. Oh my goodness! So we want to make sure veterans are getting into Josh. the VA and getting the help. Thank you. And then um, uh, once they register, we send out the emails. Um, you can find us on social media, Continue Mission, and our website's continuemission.org. And definitely, ninety-three uh, percent of our donations go directly to the veterans. We are, our programs at no cost to the veterans and their family members to get them out of the house and moving. So there's a lot of these, you know, like these three, four-day retreats that we do. We cover a complete cost for the the family members, so they can enjoy these events. And um, if if you're an organization out there listening, we love. Um, fundraisers, people do fundraisers for us, um, cash donations, in-kind donations, um, gr- any grants that you know of, send them our way. That's that's how we're able to continue to serve our amazing veterans. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, the VA Adaptive Sports Grant has been huge for our program. We wouldn't be able to have a lot of the equipment we have for our veterans today if it wasn't for the, the VA Adaptive Sports Grant. So we love what they do for us to so we can provide these services for our veterans. Josh and Melissa Hansen, thank you so much. The organization is Continue Mission, continuemission.org, correct? Yes. So good to see both of you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today for Upholding Valor. This is Jill Atwood. I am a VA employee, Army veteran, and veteran of Desert Storm. This is very personal to me. There is no greater mission than to serve and fight for those who fought for us. Thanks for listening and thanks for caring. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe or rate us or better yet, tell another veteran and tell a friend to tune in by texting veterans to 57500 or go to ksl360.com slash veterans. VA is honored to serve you. Talk to you next time.